Somebody's very excited out there. For those of you that don't know that are visiting here, I'm Pastor Brandon, the youth pastor here at North Hills, and uh, it's my privilege to come to you today and share the story of the manger with you, a little different perspective on the Christmas story. So, it was a long time ago. Our grove was strong. We were the main producers of olives for our little town of Bethlehem, me and my family, that is. We loved that little town. They always came out and picked our olives. They, they made so much from them. Oil to cook and bake with mainly. It made us very, very useful. Then there were those sad days. The days when a few of us who were older, like myself, we were dying out. We would be cut down. And, and, and they would take things from us or make things from us. Tables, chairs, uh, stables, mangers. The list could go on. Of course, it depended on the kind of tree where olive trees weren't used for a lot. And it was just such a day. It was that day. The, the carpenter had come out and, and he had marked a few of the trees he was going to cut down. And, and it was that this day that he brought his saw back with his wagon and he cut us down. Uh, he took a few of my family that day. He left my cousin and his family. They were a different species of tree. So they were going to be used for something else. That's a totally another story. Uh, God had much grander things in store for my cousin. Uh, we could tell his story later. Although my story is pretty neat too. Yes, you heard me right. God had plans for me and my cousin, both of us, the, the tree family. I do believe in God, the creator of the universe. My ancestors were created thousands of years ago by the very hand of the almighty God of the universe. In fact, in Genesis 1.1, it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verses 9 through 13, it says, Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruits on the trees on the earth bearing fruit. And their kind with seed in them, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind, and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. See, my ancestors were created on the third day. Later, they were wiped out by a flood. It was total devastation for my family. But God saved mankind. They have always been God's prized possession. Animals, plants, this earth are not the Lord's main focus. You are. That is why my story must be told. So, so where were we again? Oh, yes. The carpenter had come to cut some of us down to make furniture and such from us. I was pretty excited. I thought of being a beautiful table. I, I, I thought I might be a beautiful table. I mean, that excited me. I was so excited to be a table. There were four of us that day that the carpenter took down and, and took back to his shop. He cut on us and made us into boards. Some had some really great curves in them. And some were just plain and simple with no way to be used in a table or chairs. That was me. Go figure. I was just plain. I was ordinary. I had no great features. I was simple. <laughs> I was used for a manger. Can you imagine that? 
being made into a manger, a feed trough. Animals would stick their mouth and snotty nose in me and eat from me. I was no longer excited. I was disgusted. That's just gross. I didn't want to be a manger. I wanted to be a table. Yet that was not the plan God had for me. He reminded me of such a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. Maybe you've heard of it. Have you all heard of that verse? Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God has plans for each of us trees. He has a plan for your life, too. Great plans that, that not even you can imagine. I mean, I didn't imagine being a manger, and I mean, that's not really that glamorous. You know, when it looks like you don't matter and are plain and simple and that nobody will love you, God is still planning your life. When it looks like you are destined for nothing great, God is designing you a plan that will fit your unique design. It is a plan just for you. God has such a plan for me. It was around, oh, 4 or 3 B.C. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the Roman Empire that now controlled Jerusalem and the rest of Israel. He had conquered them according to God's plan to punish Israel for their disobedience to God. As he was ruling, he decided that it would be a good idea to know who he had in his kingdom. So he called for a census to be taken. From everywhere that had people on it, they were supposed to come back and give their numbers. Everyone had to register. They had to return to the city that their family originated from. In other words, if you were from the family of David, the great king of Israel, you had to return to Bethlehem to register. Now, a young man and his very pregnant virgin wife had to do just that. They both were from the line of David. Now, you might look at me and say, how can that be? She is a virgin, and yet she is pregnant. That's what Joseph said, too. I mean, he's the young husband, but it's true, though. She was a virgin. Let's look at Matthew 1, 18 through 25 and see what Joseph says about this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, six months earlier, the same angel had shown up to see Mary and tell her that she would be a mother. Oh, the ridicule they might have experienced, the shame that they, that they might have gone through or, or, or been put through. There might have been gossip, and, and, and who knows what looks they endured. Yet this couple realized that it was God's plan for them, and they accepted it without reservation. So they traveled to Bethlehem together. 
When they arrived, they had trouble finding a private place to stay. Now, Joseph was a family in his, in his hometown. He had family there. All he had to do was say, hey, I'm a son of David. They would get the red carpet treatment, but because of the census, they found no guest room to stay in. They had plenty of time to find a place to stay. They didn't have to rush. They had a few days. Family offered them the family room to stay in. There's a couple of pictures up here behind me. Uh, these, these pictures are by a guy that, that stayed in, in Jerusalem and taught in Egypt and Lebanon and Cyprus and Jerusalem for more than 60 years. His name is Kenneth Bailey. And this is what the family room or the, or the, the common house looks like. You have on the top is the, the, the top view of the house. And the bottom view is what it would have looked like. So you would come in the door. You would go actually enter into the stable, come up into the family room. And then off to the right of all of that would have been the main living quarters with the kitchen. Uh, the family room or the, the, the guest quarters would have been there. You see, Mary and Joseph ended up in the family room, not in the main part of the house. That's all that was left for them. It was a warm place and would work to have a baby in. It would have smelled, though. I mean, the animals were kept in the family room in the lower portion of that, kind of where those stairs are at. There the animals would eat and sleep at night. They would be protected from wild animals and thieves. Well, Joseph and Mary were staying at my house, in my family room. They settled in, and well, they had their baby a few days later. I was used to animals eating from me by now. I mean, I had accepted that it was God's plan for me. Little did I know the bigger plans were yet to come. Jesus was born, the creator of the world, Jesus. My cousin has a story about this baby when he became a man. My cousin was cross, not literally cross like mad, but he was the cross. This little baby boy that had just been born was to one day die on a cross. That was God's plan for him. Jesus the Savior of the world. The prophets had foretold of his coming in just such a way. And I was here to see it. The joy of joys, Mary, his mother, wrapped him up and laid him in me. I was the cradle for the newborn baby Jesus. Yet how could this be? I mean, I'm plain and ordinary. Why would he, the Christ child, be laid in me? Why would he come in such humble circumstances? He was from the royal line of David. He is a king, not a pauper. Then it hit me. He wants to be accessible to everyone from all walks of life. A king of royal descent, the God of the universe, wanted to be available to all. He put no barrier between himself and you, he put no status on himself as someone who was royalty. He simply came as a baby that we all might recognize him. He came in such a way in the family room of a full house, a family room that housed the animals and fed them. He was laid in me, a manger, all so that you as humans could relate to him or so that he could relate to you. You see, God doesn't have a plan for your life. He loves and accepts you for who you are. You don't have to be rich or live a fancy lifestyle to be accepted by him. You don't have to have fancy furniture for the Savior to think you are special. I'm proof of that. I'm a manger. I'm a plain old feed bunk. Yet the God of the universe chose to be laid in me that he might speak volumes to the world. 
When he cried that first day of his birth, he was crying for you. He was crying, here I am, come to me. I will save you from your sin and set you free from its bondage. I love you and accept you for who you are. Later in his life, in Matthew 11, 20, 28 through 30, we have recorded Jesus saying this to his disciples. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Teach let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So what is keeping you from coming to him today? Why are you running from this little baby that wants to make your struggles lighter and easier to bear? Today we celebrate the birth of Jesus literally on this day. Most of the time when we come to church, we don't get to celebrate his birth on the day that we celebrate it. But today we do. And really we're celebrating much more than that. We're celebrating his life. And even more than that, we're celebrating his death because that's why he came. He's the one who came to die on a cross. After all, that is why he came on that Christmas so many years ago. God's plan was for him to die on a cross to save his people from their wickedness and evil. As you think of Jesus' birth today, think of his death too. It is this death that brings us life and freedom. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 6? And I'm going to read a couple verses while you're doing that from Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You see, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is God, that he is who he claimed to be, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Romans tells us that we can be saved, that we're saved through our belief, we're saved through our professing of faith in him. So let's read Romans 6 together, if you would with me. Six one through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in sin any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness or doing good. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you confess that he is the Son of God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. And he baptizes you into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 6 is talking about. And if you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the death of Jesus Christ, you no longer are a slave to sin. You no longer have to give in to sin in its ways. Because we're also baptized into his resurrection. The new life that Jesus brings, the power over death. And sin is what brings death. So whether you have Jesus or not, one day you're going to die. You will be free from sin that day too. But if you accept Jesus Christ today, which is the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas, you can be free from sin right now, right in the place that you sit. Just by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The heart is that center of emotions where where all of your, your emotions well up from. It's not the beating blood-pumping organ in your body. That's it. That's the story of the manger. Will you accept the little one that came as the Son of God? Will you confess that? Will you believe in your heart that 30-some years later, he was put to death, was buried, and rose again on the on the third day because that's truly what Christmas is about it's not so much about the one that came but the one that was going to give his life that's the reason he came so think about that today as you go through your Christmas celebrations and as you think about the birth of Jesus what the birth really means worship team why don't you guys come up while I'm praying and, and we'll close with the way in the manger Father God, thank you so much for thank you so much for your love for us, your life that you gave for us. Thank you so much for the awesome opportunity to celebrate Christmas on a Sunday. Um, thank you for freedom that we have over sin and over death. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives, and I pray, God, that he would just work mightily in our lives this Christmas day as we ponder and as we think about gifts and giving. And and, um, God, may we have less of us inside of us and more of you, and we just pray this in Jesus' name, amen.